Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. It's a whole new year, properly this time. And Dalton, you've got something for us to talk about today. Yeah. FOSS developers, I mean, most of them are introverts pushing themselves into extroverted situations and pushing themselves to the limit and pushing themselves into things they don't want to do. So this all leads to kind of a perfect storm for burnout. And then you add to the cauldron that people don't all think the same and have different opinions on how software should work. What this ends up in is developers blowing up at people in the community or community members blowing up at developers that something isn't right in the software and it needs to be better. So how ultimately can we criticize free and open source software so that we don't cause more problems than we're trying to solve? Because obviously we all mean well, right? We want the software to improve to meet either our needs or the perceived needs of others. But in the process of doing that, we don't want to make developers leave the community because that is um, the exact wrong thing for making it better. So how do you criticize FOSS is the question. Mm -hmm. The answer surely depends on who made it. If it's a small project run by volunteers, then you can't really criticize it, can you? Unless it's very constructively, here is a bug I found, and ideally, here's a bug I found, and here's a fix for it. But if it's a big company or a mid-sized company, like Canonical say, then it's a bit different. You have more entitlement, and I think that's a key word here, to criticize them, don't you? Well, I'm not sure, because obviously Canonical wants to sell you more services, but if you're just using Canonical's free software that you got with no warranty of merchantability or fitness for purpose, the area's gray again. I think it's difficult. The first thing that popped into my mind as a good example is um, Rudra. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's a very young member of the community who's created quite a few different projects, including a, like a cloud Chromebook style, Chrome OS style spin of Ubuntu. He's heavily involved now in the continuation of Unity, you know, a Unity version of Ubuntu. I can't remember how old he is now. He's like 11 or 12. I remember a couple of times seeing announcements for his projects where people are incredibly rude and he handles himself with incredible grace <laughs> given how they've behaved. And sometimes people point out how young he is and where he's coming from. But that doesn't mean if you're not an 11-year-old boy who's finding their way in the world, <laughs> it's okay as well. So I think there's like strata and it's exactly that. But my slight fear is, is that people become too scared to make constructive criticism. And I think that's the key issue is there is a way to offer constructive criticism, but it's quite a skill to acquire. And people don't often do that and can be very, very blunt. And you'd like to see that ideally rather than ranting, because I agree with Dalton. I think it kind of perpetuates on both sides, people getting at each other, I think, and whipping up a storm. And I do feel like, I can't remember if it was on LNL or one of the other podcasts I was listening to, 
it feels like 2020 and 2021 where people have been under immense personal strain and often working without human contact as much. That kind of stuff has ramped up quite a lot, but maybe maybe I'm just too new to it. But I, I don't know. It does feel like it's something in the water a little bit that it's people getting into arguments more than I've noticed before because the criticism is not couched as here's a feature that I don't like. I I would like it if this happened, or I think strongly that it would be beneficial. That kind of stuff gets lost and you get all caps. (laughs) This is shit. You're terrible. This project's terrible. Go away. It has definitely got worse over the last couple of years. Yeah. The temperature is definitely higher now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because most people actually don't enjoy the solitude that I do. I like being in my cupboard on my own. <laughs> Apparently I'm strange. But it is that thing, isn't it? I, I've watched a couple of terrible BBC Three documentaries about internet trolls, but there is this part of the human brain which we're discovering as we embrace tech, where people gain this enormous sense of bravado in the way they treat people. And often in these documentaries, they they drag the person in front of the person that they've trolled and said, like, can you read out what you wrote? And they get incredibly sheepish and often they're not like, it's in there somewhere. But when they realize that it is another human being, and especially with fuss stuff that, you know, you're benefiting from someone's work that you've not necessarily paid for. But the flip side of that coin is like I say, I wouldn't want everyone to be too nice because then projects don't progress. So there has to be a window for constructive criticism But if we get into this atmosphere of both sides of the coin being incredibly stressed from a starting point, then you don't allow the space for that to happen, I think. I also think there's a real difference between criticising some small open source project versus criticising something the size of Ubuntu. With Ubuntu, for example, you know, Canonical clearly have a product team who go about understanding what their users want and need, and that's all well and good. But when it's something smaller, like you said, Chris, about some of the projects that are taking on Unity, it's a very small niche community-led product in comparison to something like Ubuntu. So I do wonder whether we should be criticizing those in two very different ways. Say with Ubuntu, I think it's, it's a bit safer to say you don't like the direction that the product team are going, but you also have the choice not to use Ubuntu. Whereas with something smaller, you have the choice not to use it, but you are directly affecting a single person rather than you know a product team who are doing what is in their customers' best interests when you scream at them. Can we take Ubuntu Touch as a prime example of this? When that was a canonical project and they spent hundreds and thousands of developer hours and engineering hours on that project, I considered it to be absolutely terrible because it failed. There's no two ways about it. It was just a complete failure of mismanagement. And I don't know exactly what happened there, but that was just a disaster. Multiple changes in priorities that never actually got finished. And yeah, yeah, a lot went wrong on the project. And then they dropped it. And then what became the Ubiports Foundation took it on. And you and your chums, Dalton, did excellent work on it. And now I would not criticize it in the same way. It has actually improved significantly, funnily enough, but it's still not ready for prime time. But 
the the goalposts have completely shifted now. Canonical was pitching this as a product that was in development, whereas what Ubiports has been doing is working towards that as a potential goal one day maybe, but accepting the reality that it's very difficult and it's a small team and the resources aren't great. And it's it just totally almost flipped 180, my opinion, of the project and the, the product that comes out of that project. There is a lot to be said about setting expectations in that way, not only externally, but internally to a software team, where this is something that's very difficult for FOSS projects, and especially people joining them for the first time who are used to a software team, is that in open source, you don't have a manager or multiple managers fighting it out to say what the priorities are. You know, you don't have a project that has a few stakeholders and one of them ultimately says, yes, we're going to do this this way. No, we're not going to do it this way. And you live with that until maybe a year down the road where you change your priorities. In community development, there are old wounds that like this person wants something to go this way but it didn't go that way because other people wanted it to go some other direction. And eventually someone pops up and says, hey, can't we do things this way? It'll be really easy. And that can touch on a huge nerve. Whereas in a company, like that would still touch on a nerve, but you say, no, we have respect, or at least we are afraid of that manager over there. We're not <laughs> going to change that. Yeah, or in a company, I think he... You respect that whoever's making that decision, which is usually a product owner or something, they've made that decision because presumably, like I said before, they've gone out and spoken to customers and worked out that this is the feature they want. And they've given you a very clear user story with a set of deliverables to go and develop. But you don't get that so much in open source, I guess. So yeah, I can see how that's difficult because it's effectively engineers fighting to come up with the right solution or I guess what they think is the right solution and no one has generally that overall accountability. Mm -hmm. I guess that's why we've ended up with things like the developer advocate which obviously you don't have the benefit of on incredibly small projects but if you think about the work that historically people like Popey and Wimpress have done and, and bridging that to try and help those relationships work in a two-way communication pattern that's effective for all parties. That's where it can be really challenging, where if you're spread so thinly and incredibly stressed, trying to do the hands-on development and manage the community that is contributing or complaining then you can snap, like, I can completely see how that can happen while you're trying to buoy the project up and kind of <laughs> shepherd all the opinions and voices that are coming at you. It's incredibly difficult. And I guess it depends whether you feel like a model of pure kind of equal voice and everyone should work out what to do is what you want, or whether you do want to try and appoint people that steer things and even if not everyone likes it, it helps to keep the ship going in a direction. And I personally, from my previous experience, prefer the latter because I've quite often ended up in situations where you start off with this grand goal of everyone should have a voice, everyone should get their say, and you end up with 10 people all arguing for a different direction to go in and have a real 
difficult period of trying to be cohesive and you get stuck <laughs> in a certain place and it can fall apart, I think. Yeah, and it is very important to communicate what your open source project is doing and why. Case study Audacity, for example, and what happened when Muse Group bought them. That went very, very badly in terms of communication and has tarnished the reputation of Audacity potentially forever. And I honestly don't think there were nefarious intentions. I think it was just poor communication and poor community management. The worst part on all sides is the people who mean well and just want to see the software improve. Because those aren't trolls, right? Trolls are easy to spot and most of the time just get rid of, or they keep coming back and you have to keep getting rid of them. But while that's stressful, it is a nominal effort to get rid of them. But sometimes people who advocate and evangelize free and open source software are their own worst enemy. Because they'll say things like, hey, all those features that you worked on, they're really cool, but I wanted this thing instead. Your priorities are wrong. And it's difficult to prioritize a project with this many stakeholders in the first place. I say this today as I had not one, but three discussions with people about priorities and directly conflicting, but still useful opinions, directions to go in. And trying to sort all of that out is really difficult and very personally stressful for someone who wants to hear people's opinions and someone who, at least for me, really thinks that a lot of people driving in the general same direction can get really far. I hate to come back to it again, but isn't this where product and strategy and ownership comes in of those things? Say. If you've got those three conflicting opinions on where something should go, someone ultimately makes that decision. And generally, in the non-open source world, that person is not a developer. That person is not an engineer. That person is someone who owns the roadmap for a product. True. And I think that's where we really struggle in the open source world, is that often for smaller projects like Ubiports, the person who owns that product direction and that strategy is probably just someone who had a cool idea and wanted to write some code and build something. And then they get hamstrung into being product owner and developer advocate and dealing with feature requests and also writing the code and singing the theme tune and whatever else it is. I think that's where it becomes really difficult is that we don't have that luxury on smaller teams of someone just taking ownership and making a decision and saying, hey, thanks for your contribution. This isn't something that we're willing to do with the project at this time. And it's open source, right? You can go and fork that and build your own feature and plug it in if that's something that you really want. And indeed, if it's a really good idea, it probably will come back to the original project after you do that. Yeah, it probably will. If you build it and you implement it really well, chances are, you know, it's going to get included. But it's all about scratching your own itch. And I fear that there are a lot more people now who have an itch they want to scratch, but bite their fingernails. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard, isn't it? Because especially if you've grown, just like you said, Gary, if you've grown with a project where maybe you started it on your own, and there's many examples of this, where people turn around and suddenly it's a project that so many people are using and it's kind of snowballed into something bigger than you ever thought it would be. 
I remember being given a really good piece of advice once when you have decisions to make. I said, I've got this decision, what should I do? And they said, there's no such thing as the right decision. There is only a decision that you make, and then you make it the right decision. And sometimes it's really hard to kill your darlings, as it were, especially if you've been with the project from the beginning, to be able to, and I think that's kind of plays into when people criticize projects, sometimes someone might be giving a really good piece of criticism that if you took on board would actually transform the project, but you've been running it for five years since you pushed the first commit and you've lost sight of that. And that's where it can become really, really difficult. This is where the awful concept of consultants come in, where people come in completely <laughs> unfamiliar with something and sway through it with an ax. But it is quite useful sometimes to have someone that drives it or someone that offers a slightly different perspective or someone that takes a tough decision. I'll give you a good example. My wife has a company. I won't say which company it is, but they've done the boss of it all thing, the Lars von Trier concept. They've invented a fictional person for difficult decisions. <laughs> and sometimes they say, we need to refer this to that person who doesn't exist. And it's effective for getting things moving again sometimes because you can say, you know, if it was up to me, I wouldn't do this, but we have to. And in fact, <laughs> it is up to you. <laughs> and you've just positioned it that way. But um, it's just difficult to strike that balance of, do you let many voices all chip in and steer something? Or sometimes do you need to defer to someone who just takes the reins for a bit and says, we have to do this because it's for the benefit of the long-term future of the project. But the problem with open source is that everybody thinks they are that consultant. Everybody <laughs> thinks that they can come in and change it. Well, they can, right? They are free in most cases to fork that and change it and do what it is they want to do. But it's like I said earlier, there are a lot of people who want to be that consultant, but they're not capable of going and forking the project and scratching their own itch. And then it just puts pressure on the people like Dalton who can make those changes are developers to make a decision on whether they want to do that or not. But hang on, I'm an open source expert. I've run at least seven different Linux distributions as my daily driver. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's exactly, that's it. <laughs> that's the problem, right? Like everyone thinks they're an expert, but it doesn't mean that the change that you want to make is the right one and goes with the strategic direction that that project is going in. If we suddenly said to Dalton, do you know what? Actually, I think you're going in the wrong direction and you should port Uberports to be running Plasma. I mean, that could be something that I want is the base of Uberports, but with Plasma Mobile on top of it. But that doesn't mean that that's the direction that you know, the Uberports Foundation are going in with their project. At least we'd be able to pronounce it rather than Lemiri. How do you say that? <laughs> oh, that cuts deep. Especially since I picked the damn name. <laughs> but like, that's the thing, right? Like... I could go in and I can have that opinion and that opinion may well be something that would help with the project. But if they want to continue developing their own desktop environment or I guess not desktop environment in this case, then that's completely up to them and it's their project and they can do what they want. And if I want to take the Uberports code base and rip out Lemiri and put Plasma on top of it, then I'm more than welcome to do that. I'm pretty sure that I've had that discussion with someone just this week. Uh, usually it ends with me saying, thank you for your feedback, and then they go away. <laughs> well, speaking of feedback, do let us know what you think, dear listener. 
how should you best criticize an open source project? Show at linuxafterdark.net. But we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Chris. My name is Gary. And Dalton. (laughs) See you later.